May all grace, mercy, and peace come to you in the name of the unchangeable Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The last part of our three-part discourse from John chapter 6, where we've been spending the last couple weeks, will serve again as the basis for the sermon today. And here we are again, third Sunday in a row, partaking of this bread that comes from heaven. And yet again today, we're going to see another change in the interaction between Jesus and these crowds. However, the change doesn't come in Jesus. The change doesn't come really in Jesus' message. The change comes in the reaction of those that he's speaking towards. My friends, this is a telltale sign regarding God. God does not change. When are we going to understand that? We can't bend God to our will. We bend to his will. R.C. Sproul once said, we can't change God. God is unchangeable. If changes are to be made, they must be made in us. And as we witness in this past year and a half, two years really, if we're being honest, there have been plenty of changes in our lives. Not only thanks to the pandemic, but we've been in a vacancy. The economy's changed. The labor, the labor force has changed. Our sense of community has changed. Now, during all the, all the pandemic, we, we've learned to use technology to get the Word of God out to people. But we're still not back to where we should be. We're still not back into full-on fellowship and community gathered together in the presence of God and His Word and the sacraments. Even the sustenance that God feeds us with, this living bread, is the same bread today as it was yesterday and the day before. And so I invite you today to continue partaking and feeding on this bread with me. And right now, this is for those of you who are watching online. I extend a warm welcome to you all as well. Because God cares about you. God wants you to be fed just as much as He wants all of us to be fed. And we care about you. We would like you to be here. We understand that some of you may have circumstances that prevent you from being here. But if you're able to get here, we welcome you with open arms. And even if you're watching today, I invite you to check in with us online. Hit the button. Click the button. Let us know that you're there. We'd like to reach out to you. We would like you to be fed in this bread that we partake of together here in the presence of our Lord. You know, our circumstances in this world, my friends, have changed but God is not. And with that being said, I know we're getting hungry. And you know what it's like when somebody stands up and prays over a meal and your food's going cold? So let's just dive right into it now while it's still warm. It's the same bread. Look, same bread we had last week. We, leave, we begin with the same verse that Jesus left off with. Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus again continues to teach because people continue to struggle with His teaching and understanding Him. And today we have another change in the recipients as well as the tactics that Jesus uses. Jesus has been talking about bread still today. He is, but today He's tying it into Himself with a more focused approach. Now, last week we had the Jewish religious leaders and we learned that they were grumbling against Jesus because Jesus was proclaiming to be this bread from heaven. And now today, these Jewish religious leaders are disputing about the bread, about Jesus, and how Jesus can offer His flesh 
for people to eat, prompting Jesus then to get even tougher in His teaching. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, I know this is graphic. Jesus isn't talking about cannibalism, folks. He's just teaching on a deeper level, more personal basis, speaking about his nature. This eating of the flesh, this drinking of the blood is graphic, but it relates to our spiritual nature, our spiritual feeding, which nourishes us. And in faith and by the Holy Spirit, then we're able to assimilate into the likeness of Christ. Now, after a brief detour from bread to his own body and flesh, Jesus returns to the living bread saying, this is a bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread your fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. I want you to notice where Jesus has been teaching and saying these particular things. He's been in the synagogue as he's been in Capernaum. And today, we see a change in the crowd he's been speaking to. Yes, it's still partly the Jewish leaders, but we discover that Jesus' disciples, not the original 12 that he chose, that his disciples in general, have been mixed in with this crowd. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? They're grumbling. I wonder how often we see God's Word and think the same thing or say the same thing. But once again, Jesus gets direct with those who are grumbling about His teaching. And do you take offense at that? What if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where He was before? And of course, then Jesus gets right back into the message He's been proclaiming all along about life, about the Spirit giving life, about unbelief and about coming to Him. Jesus. Three different settings in the this, in this same discourse. Three different reactions, right? We had the first crowd that went inquiring about the bread and asked for bread, didn't know what they were asking for. Then we had the crowd last week that, that heard all this and was grumbling about the bread. And now we have a crowd this week who doesn't understand the bread, and it's too hard to understand. But did you notice anything here? Did you notice the one thing that has not changed in the course of all this? Jesus' message. It's been the same all along. Just because people have grumbled about it, just because people have said that they can't understand it, doesn't mean that Jesus is going to make it easy, that He's going to back off that message and change it so that it's more appealing to us. He doesn't do these things. Think about those reactions. More bread. Grumbling about the bread. Grumbling about this feeding on Jesus' flesh and blood. How often do we find ourselves questioning God, questioning His message, opening up the Scripture and only picking up pieces and parts because, no, that couldn't possibly make sense. That's not what society teaches. No, that that goes against, you know, no. I I can't understand that. That's too hard of a teaching. Guilty. That's the Word of God, though, that never changes, that will always speak. Why? Because it's serious. Because it speaks life. Because that's the desire of God. Not to make it easier in this world, per se, although God doesn't like to see His creation suffer. He wants us to have that life here, that life with Him, eternal, apart from this world. 
He doesn't sugarcoat anything. All this that goes on, and not once did Jesus bend the message. He even asked them if they'd been offended by this. And even in that reaction, when people fled, he didn't change. He wasn't worried about the 12. He just turns around and asks him, Are you, you want to leave too? Do we want to leave when things get tough? Do we want to leave and depart God's word because we can't understand it or, or it's not speaking to what we want to hear? And how often do we do that in our own lives? How often do we change the message with those that we're proclaiming the message to? You have those instances? Maybe, maybe it's been this. Maybe it's been you see somebody doing wrong, but your message is different than God's simply because you don't speak God's message to them. You just let it continue to happen. Or maybe it's in your own family and because you don't want to upset the apple cart, you just bend things a little bit, you know? Little tweaks here. It's like telling little white lies. But you know what happens when you tell little, little white lies? It all adds up to one giant lie. It just makes matters worse. And you're not doing yourself any good or the person you're proclaiming God's message to any good if you change that message, if you depart from it. You know what? <laughs> Participating in any manner like that, what's that make us? Hypocrites. You know, it reminds me of this guy that was years ago dressed up like the devil going to a costume party. This is out in Iowa. He went through you know, cornfield country in the middle of a rainstorm, hit a puddle on hydroplane, went off into a ditch, got out in the middle of the rain and saw a little country church out there and you know, through the cornfields, made his way over there. And as he went to open the door up, you know, because the church was full of people and they were in their prayer meeting, but as he opened the door up, a loud clap of thunder and a bolt of lightning hit, illuminating him. And you can only imagine what that must have looked like for this congregation, seeing the, this guy dressed in a devil's costume standing there at the threshold. Well, when the, when the people saw it, many of them went out the windows and fled out the doors and the exits and just slept, except for one little old lady who stood in the middle of the, of the aisle of pews with her cane, shaking tremendously, but boldly looked at, the, at who she thought was Satan and said, Sir, I don't know why you're here. I don't know what your intentions are, but I have one thing to say to you. I've been a member of this congregation for 40 years, but I've always been on your side. I want you to think about that. I've always been on your side. How often are we like that when we do these things? We're saying we're on Satan's side. We're departing from God's Word. Why is it so hard for us to stand in His Word as people? I'm generalizing. As Christians. Why do we depart from it? It's hard. Hypocrites even exist in the church. And there's times that we take offense at God's Word because we don't like how it speaks. And there will always be divisions between those who believe and those who don't. And here's what it really boils down to between believing and not believing. Between standing firm in the message of Christ and seeking to change it. When Jesus says that it's the Spirit who gives life, that the flesh is no help at all, He's not rejecting the physical body or the goodness of creation. But what flesh signifies is how we perceive the reality according to what is acceptable to the world. The world doesn't understand eternal life as defined and given by the body and blood of Christ. Only the Spirit can help us to discern the difference. Only the Spirit can give us life and make our faith possible 
and come to the conclusion that Martin Luther had when he said, I believe that by my own understanding or strength, I cannot believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, to come to Him. But instead, the Holy Spirit has called me through the Gospel, enlightened me with His gifts, made me holy, and kept me in the true faith. And only the Holy Spirit can cause us to say what Peter said when Jesus asked the twelve original disciples if they wanted to go His way as well. Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. This isn't a statement of settling for the next best option. This is a realization that without Jesus, we're nothing. And we can do nothing. And we have no life at all. And not just us then having no life, but then there's no life being proclaimed to those in the mission field who need it. So what message are we proclaiming to others? What life are we living? Our natural response in difficult situations is to flee, to run away, or to acquiesce. But the triune God continues to beckon, continues to enlighten and feed us for life, drawing us to Him, strengthening us to boldly proclaim and confess our faith and proclaim the message of hope. Not just a part of it, but the entirety of the Word of God. And when we have those times when we try and change God's message or run from it, His message renews us. It, it stands the same. It calls us back. It calls us into repentance. It calls us back into community, into forgiveness in His body and blood. It calls us back into fellowship and to partake of the true bread of life. And now we've come to the end of this three-part discourse on bread today. But let me tell you, we're far from done feasting on the bread. The true bread. The bread that stands. The living message of life that never goes stale and never changes. And you know what? As a dear friend of mine said to me last week, when I said we were having this bread again, he says, I'll take it. And to God be all the glory. Amen.